0: Hello, film friends, friends of film, and everyone in between. Welcome to the Film Folklore Podcast. I am Judd Props, and I am joined today by Justin Sound. Hello. And we have pitch hitter, Heather Ray Costumes. How's it going? Zoe, Chris, and Joe are not with us today. Um, So Joe uh, reportedly was at... um, Uh, Stonehenge with uh, a man named IP Freely. Um, I did manage to talk to Chris and Zoe. Uh, So Chris said that uh, Zoe uh, couldn't make it because she's attending a a discount lion taming course in Kenner. I hope she used that coupon for that. Um, And it looks like... I believe that was a Groupon, Jed. Oh, (laughs) how silly of me. Um, And then uh, it looks like um, uh, Zoe said that... uh, Chris is uh, apparently rescuing uh, his teenage daughter from being taken. Um,
1: with his very special set of skills.
0: With a very special set of skills. Um, I, I For some reason, I wanna say he went to Eastern Florida, and uh, his story is now being made into a major motion picture called Done Took." All right, there we go. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> It's the hillbilly version we've all been wanting. (laughs) Liam Neeson rescuing his daughter wife. With his
1: purse.
2: (laughs) It's the inbred version. It's (laughs) F-150.
0: They done took my daughter. My daughter wife's been taken. All right. So anyways, um, (laughs) I am excited. Uh, We have a a, a very special guest today uh, with a very uh, unique position and perspective. And uh, we will get to uh, him here in a second, but kind of a, I guess, open question for y'all first. Do you have any uh, connections to the uh, casting world? Like, uh, I mean, I kind of already know this answer. I just want y'all to speak to it but are there situations that you find yourself having to deal with casting, we'll say?
1: Well, I feel like I've dealt with casting quite often when uh, any time that background is being, um, like there are background actors as a costumer, um, whether I'd be, usually it's the key in the office and and or the supervisor who will talk to casting, but when you're on the front lines and casting is there and you're trying to, you know, put a, uh, Forty-two inch belt on a twenty-six inch waist.
0: You gotta have somebody fuss at. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, And I guess you know they're also working with what's available, and uh, you know there there are there might be limitations on let's say how busy things are at that time and a pool of availability and those things. So this is a funny phenomenon. Uh, I I don't invite listeners to go look at this because it's not worth it that much, but. Um, season six of NCIS, because we were coming out of COVID and because it was um, kind of unexplored territory, we tried to to bubble ourselves to a certain extent. And part of what that meant is that we were using the exact same pool of background the entire season. So I want to say it was like 15-ish people. And I mean, there's only so many ways you can keep <laughs> hiding these people. And, and I mean, I, w- I wish Chris was here because uh, Chris is very aware that it's like towards the end of that season, it was getting really hard where you're going, okay, who have we not seen too close? You know, and it's like mm, kind of everyone uh, at that point. So you could probably turn season six of NCS into a drinking game, which probably is a good idea because you might want to drink to get through season six. Just got to be honest with you guys. It's not the best. <laughs> But very lovely crew, lovely actors, must say. Um, just not the most interesting storyline.
1: And y'all had the best Crafty on that show, too.
0: Oh, Mike Crafty. Good shout Lord, out. Shout out. I have just now shaved off the weight I gained <laughs> on that show. Um, I gained probably 30 pounds on that, and I've now finally shaved it off. But uh, yeah, um, we were hobbits, essentially. You would. Go get breakfast, uh, then second breakfast, and then the snack. What's what's literally called the snack would be like jambalaya, which <laughs> is not a snack, by the way, for anyone that's not familiar that's with meal. it. And then an hour later, it's lunch. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't understand why we were gaining weight, um, but also delicious, consistently delicious, and uh, I, I cannot praise him and Scotty and that team over the years uh, enough because they hit the nail on the head constantly. Even when um, he would go and get like, maybe some appetizer things from some restaurants locally. And obviously we're spoiled in New Orleans because we are a food city. But again, he would always nail it. It'd be like, uh, you know, who wants banh mi tacos? And you're like, what? Sorry, what? You know, and then- <laughs> Do you really have to ask to yeah. get them? Oh, they're from the local, you know, where we're shooting. And then, uh, you know, the Vietnamese place down the street and apparently they make a banh mi taco. And here you go, guys, Uh, in, you know, six different flavors. And, you know, again, I don't know why we were gaining weight. So yeah, uh, Mike, wow. Uh, I didn't think we were going to talk about him. But wherever you are, Mike, I would love you to come on the show so we can basically get fat from you telling us how awesome everything is just
1: praise you in general
0: yeah i just god man his food was and he was on apes too i don't know uh were you on apes Mm-mm. that's i think when i met him and uh, uh brief aside as i've been doing all day today um uh <laughs> there was it was august it's hot it's sweltering we're in the parking lot of the dead defunct um six flags <laughs> and you know, we're all out on- Always
1: the best place to yeah, film. We're, My you know, favorite.
0: Hot asphalt with mm-hmm. a pi- a literal pile of dirt because it was the ape colony. Uh, and so that dirt- Wild uh, animals. Was getting yeah. hosed down every morning to get nice and steamy by noon. Mm. Um, and uh, this product shows up at craft service. At, I want to say the actual name of it was like Coco Cafe or something like that. And it was basically like this coconut coffee drink And everybody started getting hooked on it. And we were calling it Cocoa Crack. And it's also anything cold was welcomed, you know, because it was so swelteringly hot. And Mike told me this years later uh, when I saw him on Instagram. There was actually crack in there. uh, uh, There was literal crack. Um, No, uh, he said that the demand for that on that show caused a chain reaction that ended up that the company that makes it which was I think based in Florida had it on back order for several weeks because of how much we had consumed on Planet of the Apes and I was like I believe it I mean we were stealing it hoarding it in our trailers because we wanted to get to it first I mean it was crack I mean we were (laughs) like it was literally crack but I think the actual name was was Coco Cafe was the name of it but um and also uh, i did see it in a store uh later and it if was,
1: you're looking to sponsor us go go cafe
0: <laughs> i haven't seen it uh in a long time but it but at the time i mean it, it was like oh god i want to say like six dollars and fifty cents or something like that for one and again Planet of the apes gigantic budget and so you're going like i get it but now with my own money no i'm not paying six bucks for a drink are you nuts <laughs> there'd be alcohol in that drink but uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, that's also kind of a quick aside, I guess, to the insane budgets you can have um, when, uh, say, scallops are uh, arriving.
1: Love those scallops, Jed.
0: And again, pretty sure that was Mike. Uh, (laughs) So I don't know how to segue this. So I'm just going to say, we have uh, a very special guest uh, who is a local actor and uh, is a casting assistant. And... He has a lot of unique perspectives, and uh, he's also a very lovely man, uh, and we've, we're have we very happy to have a chance to talk to him today. And his name is Adam, Adam, we're going to say Adam Casting, since we're mostly talking about casting today. Um, so without further ado, let's welcome Adam Casting. Adam, welcome. Hey, Adam. hi adam thank you for coming on the show thanks for having me i'm excited um so uh for those that uh don't know adam uh you do you kind of wear a few hats um mm-hmm. but uh um we're here to talk about casting ultimately and uh, that's your would you call that your day job or or the other way around
2: uh i would tell most people that i'm primarily an actor who moonlights in casting i like that answer yeah. um and
0: uh and we'll we'll get into it too because obviously that's a very unique uh, perspective to give you the ability from a casting aspect and being on the flip side of it. Um, you, I I would imagine you're very good at auditions, um, <laughs> uh, if nothing else from a technical standpoint. Of- yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, like uh, um, and and that's something we, we'll, we'll get into as well. But there's there's a lot of rules uh, mm-hmm. uh, to an audition. Um, but, um, I guess, uh, to kind of get us going and everything, uh, we'll, we'll kind of go back in the, in the past, um, when you were growing up and everything, um, were you kind of always eyeing this world or, or what kind of got you pointed in this, in in this direction?
2: No, I wasn't interested in this kind of stuff at all. Like, um, (laughs) I, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I wasn't one of those guys that did like theater in high school or any of that kind of stuff. I, I did like the senior play cause everyone did it or, um, went to college for a secondary ed English degree. I thought I was going to be a teacher and write novels during the summer kind of thing and, uh, graduated and started trying to become a teacher and realized I don't like kids as, <laughs> as much as you should to do that. And I hate the, like, bureaucracy of it more like all of the things that you have to do that's not teaching. I actually really, really love teaching. Um, But you have to go through so many other hoops. Um, And I'd moved up to Chicago at the time with my wife who was in grad school and was, this is when Craigslist was like your primary way of finding like side gigs. (laughs) This is the theme of the, (laughs) 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 I think everyone gets started (laughs) on Craigslist sifting through all the garbage. But, uh, I was looking for survival jobs while going to like teacher recruitment fairs and start working as a background actor. And if anyone's ever worked in background, like at any given day, there's basically like three types of people there. There's, uh, like legit actors that had nothing else to do that day. There's like aspiring people that like kind of want to get in the industry or maybe just have like stars in their eyes and want to get close and like, Ooh, I'm in a movie. And then there's, um, Bad shit people that can't hold down real jobs. I <laughs> <Yes.
0: laughs>
2: and I, I already <laughs> love where this is because I, I gravitate. That is a mountain that I was reading right? that third one. I'm like, that's yes, yeah. accurate. The the third group is maybe the majority of it. Sometimes there's career background people out there, and are, and are great people. Speak
0: but, a lot to background um, actually. Yes, um, and you are you are absolutely correct. Yeah. Yep, um, spot on. I think uh, of those three groups that you named. Uh, my favorite are actually the aspiring group, not the legit group, not mm-hmm. the batshit group. I like the aspiring group because they are typically the least demanding, least needy and most yeah. obedient when it comes to instruction. And for for me, from a technical and efficiency standpoint, that's my bread and butter is like, I'm asking you to do this step of things. You're doing it perfectly. I am going to turn around and be like, hey, Chris, Joe, you know, whatever, that person right there, that's a keeper. Yeah, Like, I, I will definitely go out of my way to be like, we like that person.
1: See, I know? have to disagree with you. I oh. like, I, I prefer the batshit because at least they are <laughs> amusing. Um, yeah. No, uh, the, they always come with a story, first of all. Well, yes. And I feel like the aspiring ones are like, oh, I've been in 98 movies and I know how this goes. It's like, no, you don't. Just do it the way I'm, come on, just I, like, wear this the way I'm asking you to wear yeah, it. Come on, yeah
0: i can definitely i'm with heather i prefer the bat shit (laughs) we'll get more into the bat shit because we got plenty to talk about with the bat shit uh from a casting standpoint alone but um uh the main reason i'm going to give an example of why i can't stand the bat shit (laughs) is a typical thing with props is drinks and let's say it's a bar scene let's say it's a, a catered event or whatever the case is like we, get, we gotta get drinks in people's hands. And so we have this whole system typically where we put out fold out tables and we make squares with tape on them and we number the squares. And the whole idea is uh, we want the extra to grab a drink. And then when they're coming back in between setups when camera's moving around and all that stuff is happening with um, um, all the crew.
1: It's a brilliant system, I've seen it. Actually. Well,
0: it, it's a brilliant system when it works. When it works. <laughs> and so. I'm going to give you some examples of how I used to do it, which was like, you got a parade of people could be 50, it could be 200. And a lot of times you're by yourself, or maybe you got one other prop person with you, but you're you're basically going like, grab a drink and take whatever you want. Just go, go, go. Like, let's get in there. And then when they're coming back, you're going... Find a number, pick a number. That's your number. Find a number, pick a number. That's your number. And you're just like repeating it over and over again. And then someone's putting a drink down. You're going thirty-two. That's you. Thirty-two. Don't forget. You know. And you're just doing this over and over again with these people. And then inevitably, the batshit people. Those are the ones that will come back when it's time to grab your drink again, and they'll be like, "I don't remember my number." And I'm like, "Come on, dude." Like, can you at least say it was in the thirties? You know, can we, can we narrow it down? Did you have a champagne? Did you have a a martini glass? Was it a, you know, a a pint, you know, I don't remember. You're like, I already hate you. Um, (laughs) So that same person, maybe I go, you know what? Here, take this. And I'll hand them, let's say a martini glass. And they'll go, no, I don't want a martini glass. <laughs> now you're pissing me off. <laughs> not only are you going to take, yeah, take the martini glass, I'm going to shove it up your ass. If you ask me again, like get out there. You wide f- end first. Like, This is when it's like, <laughs> like when you start getting the surly prop person, it's because that stuff's happening. And it's always the bat shit that's going like, you can't do simple instruction. You've failure of a human. And so we just get so mad at these like little tiny things because we have so many irons and so many fires. And when we're having to like take time out of a day for this one person that cannot follow basic instruction, it is infuriating. And I'm not the biggest offender when it comes to props. I'll keep her nameless, but there's someone that used to be in the industry that she was straight up mean. Mm. And, um, for me, it was comical to watch, but I felt bad for the BG because it was just like, wow, she is – do not get on her bad side. Anyway, we'll get more into batshit in other examples, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, let's get back to casting talk. So when – Uh, you were coming in uh, as a background extra uh, Mm -hmm. in the beginning. And then uh, how did that kind of uh, um, snowball into uh, down the road?
2: Uh, It was just one of those things. I gravitated to the more seasoned people and I would listen and learn and then got into classes and kind of figured, Oh, this is kind of fun. I like what I'm doing. And since I was in Chicago, I did, you know, second city training center up there, did a bunch of improv, started getting on stage, meeting other people and just to, It just became one of those things where like I wasn't really actively pursuing it. It was just a cool like side gig hobby. And then after a couple of years of doing my taxes and going like, I'm making more money doing this than being a substitute teacher. Let's see where this goes and started getting agents, started getting better auditions and then moved back down here and going from, you know, Chicago is a place where you can be very, very busy as an actor, but it's hard to make a living because there's a lot of indie stuff. There's a lot of, you know, free stage work. You can do all that kind of stuff to coming down here and everything I was auditioning for. I was like, Oh, I get, I get SAG rates for this. I yeah. get paid to do this. I got paid because I stood in an audition too long. Oh, Oh, I can make a career out of this. <laughs> and so I came down here in like 2012 and it just has kind of been a ride since then of steadily getting slightly bigger, slightly better roles over and over and over and over that's so cool the uh, also
0: uh chicago like uh what i mean what would you call it the the improv capital maybe yeah uh, yeah but uh, that in itself is fun and fascinating that's a whole other conversation
2: but day um, one of my first improv class there i had the moment where i was like i don't know if this is gonna be for me because we sit around and like the teacher knew very well like okay we're gonna everyone introduce yourself where you're from because like chicago's those places no one's really from chicago they're from everywhere else we went around the room of like 20 people in a basic intro level improv class and like eight or nine people said that they wanted to be on snl or do like that kind of stuff or like whatever improv things on TV were happening right there. They all like wanted to be famous. And it was like, did the teacher say slow roll? Basically. (laughs) No, she, uh, she was very nice. She sat there and went, "Mm -hmm, yeah, no, I, I hear that every eight weeks. (laughs) And and she's like, yeah, we'll we'll see. Best of luck. Yeah. But like, that was around the time that like, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler had put out their books and stuff. So there was just like a big re- resurgence and influx of people wanting to succeed through improv. And I don't know any of them that did in my class. That was, that
0: was my <laughs> next question is like, are, are, are we allowed to say if anyone's famous now? Um, uh, so you get down here and, uh, you're auditioning mm-hmm. and, um, uh making uh, a little a little side hustle in the beginning. Uh when or how long did it take you before uh you felt like you were in a um a steady groove like uh, as far as uh callbacks um uh, you did you decide to get an agent? Like when when did you kind of make that next leap?
2: Well, I had had an agent uh in Chicago and I've had multiple agents like in the 15 16 years i've been doing this now but so when i moved down here i had an agent and was getting better auditions for bigger projects I was getting callbacks i booked a couple of small things here and there um and i was also kind of going back to the teaching thing at that point i was on with a school and i was teaching intro acting classes and acting classes for kids and stuff oh, that's cool but i i got in this weird slump uh around like 2015 2016 where I was getting auditions I was working the teaching job and I was doing some other stuff and it was just like I could tell something wasn't quite clicking but at that point I'd done a ton of training I'd done a bunch of classes I had experience I had bookings I was like I I need to I need to see a different aspect of this like something's not working Mm. for me personally as an actor and that's when I got into casting Uh, I reached out to Uh, A mentor of mine and kind of explained what was going on. And he was great about saying like, oh, the problem is you're teaching actors. He's like, you're you're constantly in a room correcting people that have no experience and watching them do bad work. Uh, That's interesting. He's like, and I'm watching you start to inhabit that into your own body. And you're doing bad work because all you're doing is seeing people do green, new, bad work. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating. And I don't like that. <laughs> I, did you learn to compartmentalize it or did you just kind of have to quit the teaching thing? So I, I took a step back from uh, the teaching work and I reached out through my agent to Kulon casting here in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, um, Liz Kulon. Liz Kulan, Amelia, Chin Miley. They're an awesome team. And... Um, I I basically was like I knew them as an actor. I'd auditioned for them. I'd booked a couple of small things through them, but I sent a message saying like Hey, you know." I'm very interested in expanding like my experiences in the industry. At this point I was also doing a little bit of writing, I'd produced some short films and stuff. So I approached it in very much a look, I'm not an actor that just wants to get in the room to like suck up to a casting director by being in the room next to the casting directors because that happens all the time. Yeah. People are all the time were like, "I'm an actor, do you need a reader? I'll come just <laughs> let me be near you and learn." Um but I very much was like, "Look, if I'm I'm on board to just come in and be in casting and see what that looks like. Uh and within like 2 days she's like, "Can you be completely available for the next 8 to 9 weeks cuz they had just gotten um Logan oh, okay. Marvel yeah. movie mm-hmm. coming through." And I was like, "Uh yep, sure." Quit everything else that I was doing, cleared my schedule, started working with them and immediately got into like that side of stuff and you know, casting is very much like acting. It's a gig to gig thing. Yep. Sometimes there's gigs that they need me on. Sometimes there's gigs that are low ball uh, uh, indies that can't afford to have the full staff of all three of us. So sometimes I'm on the job. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I day play. Sometimes I'm on for the run of a project. It's kind of all up in the air. I was about to say there there could be multiple strikes that sort of shut down the entire industry, yep. <laughs> um,
0: and then nobody has any yeah. work.
2: We were actually, we were working on a project as the writer strike was looming and they were really slow about answering a lot of our questions. And then all of a sudden they were like, Hey, what if you don't, you don't cast this? Uh, we're thinking about moving production from Louisiana to Malta. like wait you've already like you're building stuff down what do you mean you're moving and then (laughs) Malta, and then the uh strike happened and we were like oh they they knew this was coming and they were just like we're gonna go outside of the country and we're gonna get this done
0: there was a um and and we'll get into it um on a separate episode but um uh, there was a very obvious something going (laughs) on uh uh two falls ago from now but um it was like there was a definite slowdown that was happening. Like mm. the machine was slowing down, but nobody was talking about it. And um, talking to friends in like Atlanta or out in LA, like it was happening in all the hubs. And it was this weird thing of like we knew that there was a potential strike that could be happening, but that wasn't coming up until twenty twenty-three and we're still in fall of twenty-two. Yeah. And it was definitely like something in the air, something in the whatever that you would ask and everyone's like, I don't know what you're talking about, but it was this quiet thing of like, Oh, um, you know, whatever the series just wrapped and they definitely are already greenlit for their next season that they're going to do in Czech Republic. Yeah. And you're like, "What? What? wait a minute. Like, <laughs> that's not cool. Um, and, uh, and now, you know, you start thinking about like, do I need to move to Europe? Um, are you able to work as a local there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long does it take to get residency <laughs> mm-hmm. in uh, Prague? Um, but, uh, but yeah, there was definitely like a weird thing going on before they were openly talking about it. So, I mean. Yeah.
1: That, Cause it was real slow that, that fall before it happened.
0: They were definitely preparing mm-hmm. for what was coming. They just weren't talking about it. And, um, and our unions were also not forthcoming and mm. acting like everything was fine. And that's another conversation, but mm. any we're all happy mm. to be back at it. Um, or soon to be back at it. If you're not quite back at it, March, April, hopefully is looking like a good time for most people. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, once you were, uh, uh, starting with the casting world, Mm -hmm. um, now I, I don't, I'm not familiar with Liz's full team, but are you the only actor in that group?
2: Yeah. So the team is really just Liz is the primary casting director. We have Amelia, who's the casting associate, um, And she's much more doing the paperwork scheduling and a lot of like overseeing the logistics work of it. And then me as a casting assistant, if we're all working on a project, I'm typically dealing with, now that we're in almost a full like self-tape world and not doing as many live auditions, uh, I'm doing a lot of manipulating like tapes and sides and prepping that kind of stuff and where Mm -hmm. all that goes. Um, But when I got hired and when I started working, one of the reasons that Liz hired me is because of being an actor and because we were doing live auditions, she always wanted a trained actor to be doing reading opposite people because Mm -hmm. for her, um, I think she would say this as well. Like that's not her most comfortable position because she's, she's running the camera. She's trying to watch what they're doing. She's trying to make sure that they're technically being recorded well and stuff. So it's very distracting to try and like read with an actor and be there for the actor, but also like run the computer, run the camera, getting pings from the director about other stuff. So there's like all this multitasking going on. So she never really likes being the person that has to do the reading as and well. And I
1: feel like you get a more accurate feel for an actor that is reading with somebody who's not just saying it deadpan and yeah, blah, 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 you yeah, know, not you like here's the beat, you, the beat, the beat here's the beat, here's the beat. Work off yeah. another person too. So that makes sense to have somebody who actually knows what they're doing yeah and i
2: and i i kind of took that as a masterclass opportunity for myself i was like oh i'm gonna read this scene 90 times today let me (laughs) memorize it let me like work it with Mm -hmm. everyone that comes in and like the great actors in our area when they come in like i can like i can read them i can see like oh he's gonna do this she's gonna do that that we're about to go up i need to like match intensity and like Mm -hmm. not overshadow their audition by any means like i'm in the background so that they stand out. But if they get intense, I'm going to get intense. I'm going to try and match them. So they have something to work with.
1: Right, right. Exactly. So there's somewhere to go. Yeah, That's really
2: cool. That makes
1: sense. And do you, you, when you said it was like a masterclass, do you, do you feel like you in these things, you took mental notes of like, Oh, that's
2: how I want to be. Like oh, God, that's yes. that. Like that's yeah. what I want
1: to do. And that is definitely not the way that I would do this. Absol-
0: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
2: You like every single person that I've auditioned across from. I've learned something from either about how they're approaching it and going, "Oh, that's interesting. That's not what I would have done." But mm-hmm. I, I, that's fascinating that that's yep, what they saw. Sure. Or the really good actors that just have like ownership of their space mm-hmm. and come mm-hmm. in and like know that the camera is going to pick up what they want it to see. Cause it, there are fascinating seasoned actors that know what the camera is going to pick up. So if I'm like across from, them watching them like, okay, that was fine. But then you go back and watch the tape. You're like, Oh, they crushed it. And mm-hmm. I just didn't see that little thing, but the camera caught it. And like, that's cool. It's, yeah, yeah, I definitely yeah, learned. I mean, a ton. have
1: you have you done theater as well, or do you do
2: mostly? No? My stage experience was all improv, and I don't have the patience for theater. That's fair. Yeah,
1: that's fair. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. acting, theater acting is very different than because I started in theater, and then I remember that film was not for me. I realized when somebody said you're a theater actor, aren't you? <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, you're a bit yeah, big. here we go. Yeah. Okay, yeah, a little, you know. What do you mean stay in frame? What, what does <laughs> that
0: mean? <laughs> that, that's actually, um, and, uh, I'd kind of forgotten to be honest, but that's something that you can probably speak to. There's like maybe a world of raw talent mm-hmm. and then there's seasoned talent. Mm-hmm. And you can obviously spot a difference where you can see, oh, this person has something, but but it's it's not, it's not collective everything um how does that work in the casting world where because obviously this is on camera looks are a big you know part of that it's an unfortunate product of how it works that you know this is sometimes why crappy actors get out there because they look the part you know Mm. Um, but um for you from a casting standpoint when let's say no matter what they look the part um uh what is kind of the process that maybe you, you would be talking to uh, maybe say like you and Liz are talking or like, you know, after the audition, as far as like this person had something, you yeah. know, but uh, as opposed to someone going like nailed it, you know, like that keeper, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. But how how does that work as far as, um uh, you, you know the callback nature of it of like we want to give that person another chance like there was something there but it, it just wasn't quite a thing but uh, how does that go f- in the way that y'all see it well like how often does
1: that happen or just...
0: i'm thinking more like um i mean I, w- I would assume it's a fairly common thing right especially down here because you've got a
2: lot of people that aren't like true through professionals yeah we we're definitely a, a solid market for greener people to get started mm-hmm. and um it's it's interesting but Cause you can have people that come in and technically they have the pedigree, they do the thing, they, they have their tricks. They've got, you know, the way in which they do something and they will hit every beat, hit every line and they will do the audition, you know, very well. Mm. Like, okay, that was all technically sound. You fit the role, you fit the character, you brought something to it. Um, but, we kind of just maybe go like, yeah, but where there's no spark, there's something missing. And there's other people that are that little bit more raw that you go, okay, they need, they need some onset experience. That person just needs to book. Mm -hmm. And we have a very big belief that like work begets work. And there are people that I know Liz has brought in to audition for years before they booked something, Mm. but then they get that first booking. And then they go to set and see how, what they were doing on the audition translates to the work. And then they kind of audition a little bit differently after that. And then they'll book something else and then book something. And then all of a sudden just boom, boom, boom. And then they're off to the races. Right. And that that learning the difference between like the audition work versus the on-set work is an interesting process because there are some great auditioners that rarely book. Mm -hmm. And there's some people that kind of throw spaghetti at the wall in their auditions, but there's something about them that still like clicks and writers and directors and producers and people like go like oh there's something interesting here so there is a, a good chunk of the time where we'll you know uh, if it was live audition we're seeing like 20 people for a role 30 people for a role now that we're in a self-tape world we're seeing 50 60 80 people then we're getting these tapes in and we're looking at something and kind of going like yeah I, I like what they're doing There's something that's not quite there, but I think they're really good for this role. I think they fit what the director's vision for this stuff is. And, you know, we've got their reel and we've got their resume. So let's put them on the list. And we're kind of going through at the end of the day and kind of saying, okay, who's who's going to be sent up to the next level to whoever is going to be the decision maker to say, like, hey, you sent me these 10 people. I want to see these three. Again, mm. and maybe do a callback, uh, but I'll be honest, callbacks have been rare for us in covid post covid world yeah, um most are just straight booking off tape these days huh so and and so i I
0: guess good segue to get into that so you like you've mentioned modern day uh post covid um it's almost all digital, mm. everyone's submitting tapes um uh can you speak a little bit to? how that process works typically um, for someone that's that's wanting to submit.
2: So if you're wanting to submit on the project. Um, <laughs> so basically, we had hired on to do the local casting. There's going to be an LA or New York casting or a VP at the production company that's going to be doing higher up casting. So like Disney has their kind of whole casting system. But then if it's going to shoot here, we're hired on to do all the local casting. And we are going to get script, do a breakdown of the roles. We're going to do a breakdown of the sides and we're going to send that breakdown out for, uh, all the agents in our region to submit talent. And we may put on there if it's, you know, if we're seeking nationally, regionally, locally, whatever the like scope of the role is, because it may be a lead role versus it's a day player and that kind of stuff. And, Uh, and you
1: run the gamut as far as like lead to background players um, like or it's what's the like the ratio of you know lead actors to day players to it
2: varies greatly project to project budget of the project and tv versus film is very different um we're rarely if ever like looking for like the true like this is the lead that's going to get it financed. We're not going after the non-auditioners kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But especially if like, uh, like to use Disney as an example, if the leads are a bunch of kids we might get to be a part of that and throw a really wide net because we're looking for new unknown talent sure. a lot of times. Um, but if it's, if it's the, the names are helping to bankroll and to get the thing going, we're not really involved in that, but there may still be some lead or really strong supporting or larger roles, especially on a feature film that we'd sure. be looking for. And then for TV shows, guest star and recurring and um, then definitely day players and all the smaller roles are definitely on us. So if, A project has 20 roles, local casting. We're probably involved in 15 to 18 of those roles, assuming that one and two on the call sheet are people that are direct offers. We're not really involved in any direct offer stuff Um, outside of, uh, I say that, but there are some like local actors that even for smaller roles are great, well-known actors that they just don't really audition for the small stuff. They say, hey, here's my reel. You know who I am. Mm -hmm, If You want me. mm -hmm. Let me know, kind of thing. Um, but we'll send out that breakdown to all of our local agents. They'll submit talent that they represent. And then we're going through, and while they're submitting, we're also going through on the background and we're doing searches and we're kind of going like, oh, okay, when I read it, I thought of this actor. So let's bring that person in. Who are other people that we bring in that are like that? Let's make sure they get submitted. And so we're kind of cultivating our list while agents are also saying, hey, here's people that I rep that I think are good for this. And then we have to sift through all those headshots, choose who all we think are right, send out the sides, and we send out what's called an eco cast. Um, which is what they will end up submitting their self-tape to. Uh, And that's all the like logistic side stuff of like, okay, so especially with the new contracts and stuff, like, okay, we have to release today by five o'clock. We got to give them a day to submit actors and we got to choose actors. We got to see, you know, how many days that we think each one needs to do these roles adequately so that we get a good tape. Like we're having to like, kind of plan out like, OK, in order to get our options to the director by X date, in order to have time in case they do want to do callbacks for a role that works on this day, like it's a lot of like logistics stuff, which all got very weird when it was like, OK, they may have to travel, but then they have to COVID test and mm-hmm. then they've got to get into the sequence of the COVID testing and they got to do this as this, this. Oh my god! And now we're doing the whiplash of the other side of like, oh, we can book them on Monday and they can start on Wednesday. <laughs> <And>
1: like, <laughs> Which costume departments always love because we have so much time with the actor to figure out what they're wearing when they come in the day before. That's mm. a,
0: a, in it's speaking of in, in a background world, cops is, mm-hmm. is like a thing on practically every project, mm-hmm. a security guard, uh, a prison guard, mm-hmm. a NOPD, you know, whatever. But in some and somehow, some way on practically every project, that entity will exist and it always pop, pops up. And so um, say from the from the uh, background casting aspect of what y'all are doing, you get um, your list of players um, that gets sent to the show. Eventually they come in for a fitting.
1: Well, um, usually we will have a, Variety of costumes from this size to this yes. size. And, and cops. We try yes. to say, please do not send, or especially, or even if like non cop stuff, if we're doing vintage things or whatever, things are much smaller. So we're like, hey, yeah, yeah. you know, we need people of this size and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, that's another puzzle piece that they need to deal with. In order to get them to us for us to right. have the stuff that we need but yeah. but yeah. yes with cops that's the same, same right kind and, of thing.
0: and typically um they'll show up to the office for the costume department uh to get the measurements and sizes if it's not already on file and then that person goes home you know the the uniform is put out to the side for when they're going to play And, um, from a prop standpoint, we've gotten in the habit, uh, if, if you're on your, on your uh, shit, I guess, but, um, we'll reach out to costumes and try to get that Intel of like, uh, what kind of waist sizes are we talking about on these? Mm-hmm. You know, and then because
1: and then, they provide belts a lot right. or the holsters at least we'll provide and the belts. We have, to go, you have holsters and right, all you the have pins to and all that kind of stuff. You guys are so let's see, them up. if
0: someone has let's say a, a thirty eight waist, then what that means to me is it needs to be a forty belt Correct. because mm. the cop belt's going over the belt, uh, the uniform belt. So we always have to think to go up a size, and they're always adjustable within a certain range but generally to keep us from traveling with you know, 20 belts mm-hmm. for what we don't know is coming, yeah. that kind of helps us to narrow it down. And I think I mentioned it on one episode before, but uh, on Daddy's Home specifically, it, uh, which was a, a wonderful experience, it was a great project. I, I have practically nothing bad to say. This is maybe the worst thing I can say, but for whatever reason, every BG cop on that was the tiniest waist (laughs) cop. Which
1: is unusual (laughs) in New Orleans, especially. That's why I
0: bring it up because it was like Twig, shout out to Twig. Twig and I were like, what is happening? Like, like Like let's just double the belt around
1: them twice and it'll be great.
0: There was a woman who, um, uh, God bless her, uh, had (laughs) a, I want to say like a 26 waist or something like that. And cop belts don't really go that small (laughs) so what we had to do is uh get a leather punch put new holes in the belt go as tight as possible if you were to look at her from say an aerial view looking down at her you would have seen this belt making a snake-like motion around her body because it was it had to be crunched together for Mm. her and then it's this rare moment where you're like i didn't know we could be in this scenario and then we're turning to the ad's and going like look she's very lovely that one over there but you might want to keep her deep background because <laughs> deep i'm just gonna tell you nobody wants not to a see that <laughs> it's not a good look and i'm not proud of what i just did you know? like I, and 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 it's a weird thing because like sizes start mattering in those kind of weird scenarios and mm-hmm. so um, and that's like, like Heather Ray said, that's a very rare, you know, thing typically, you know, no offense to our, our local BG, but they're typically more. Po-
1: hey, our food poorly. in new Orleans is fantastic yeah. and people take full advantage of it.
0: Yeah. And if you're on Myself set, you included. got that buffet situation going. Correct. Yeah. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah. So like, for example, maybe 44 is a more common size. Correct. <laughs> that <is> very Yeah. <laughs> wonderful noble professions um but uh, uh anywhos, um uh in in those um for kind of like what heather a was saying and those more bit roles that are typically locally classed like maybe um a waitress with like one or two lines kind yeah. of thing um uh so for that person Typically, are y'all already looking inside of a well that y'all have, or are you doing an open casting call? Uh, What's your go-to kind of typically?
2: Well, uh, we rarely do a truly, truly open call, like open to anyone to submit, unless it's uh, something of a unique skill or an oddity, if we're looking for a specific type of like saxophone player, if we're looking for someone with circus skills, Mm -hmm. if we're looking for something that is unique in a way that is going to be hard for us to find, Mm -hmm. um, then we'll do a little bit more of an open call, and that's where we will release uh, actors access and breakdown services are kind of a combo feature. But we typically only release to the side where agents can see Mm. if we're doing an open call it's because we want other people that maybe aren't represented to be able to say hey i i can do that thing um so where the craigslist ads come in a little bit it's a little bit slightly more professional looking craigslist ads thing the gigs Uh, category uh, specifically yeah Uh, Uh, (laughs) the uh, I'm not going to say that.
3: Um, <laughs> yeah, we all had something to say. I'm
1: so proud of us, y'all.
2: <laughs> Some restraint
1: and a little disappointed
2: at the uh, same time. But yeah. but we we will do um, a little bit of both. Like we we kind of the because we've been working here long enough, and especially like Liz has been doing this uh, 20 20 plus years now. She has a pretty good handle of like who our locals are, who our uh, great talents are, who who is teaching and bringing up the new talent. So even if we're looking for kids or teenagers and we're having trouble finding someone, she knows the, like the teachers to reach out to or the schools to reach out to be like, Hey, I'm looking for someone like this. You got anyone good in your classes that maybe isn't repped yet. Like we have a bunch of different avenues that we can go through if we're having to really hunt for something. But, um, we'll, we'll typically have the people too, that we know, like, like cop Mm rolls. We got, a dozen cops in different categories. You want a feisty uh traffic cop? We got those. you want <laughs> you want uh the two kind of stereotypes is like, oh, you want a roided out cop who <laughs> is gonna throw you to the ground? We got those. You want sort of the uh overweight New Orleans cop that's a little bit more of a punchline, we got those. Like we kind of know those people because we've cast them in those roles before. And so they are like especially those like job roles, Mm -hmm. a reporter, a cop, a barista, a bartender, we know people who just are those things and we can bring them in. I'm glad you brought
0: that up because that's where I was hidden. That that is something that you see more commonly now, which, which I think we appreciate is a lot more practical background where like we're in a hospital look, I just went and got actual nurses and doctors for you guys. Uh, mm. Here you go. And then what we love about those situations is then you go, uh, are you a real nurse? Uh, no, I'm not. Are you a real nurse? Yes, I am. Good, because I have a couple of questions. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. it's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to put a stint on this guy, uh, yeah. but I want to make sure I'm doing it right, yeah. you know, and kind of thing. And so then you're like, well, I'm glad that person was there because otherwise I was going to be using Google. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, it's – it's cool, though, that it's happening more and more um, uh, to the point where it's noticeable. And, and I guess shout out to the, the other local casting with uh, Caballero and mm-hmm. Glorioso as well. Is there, an, is there a fourth one? Uh, we've got Megan Lewis at RPM. Uh, that's so i for you. Sorry um, to them. But uh, uh, everyone's kind of gotten on board with that, you know, where applicable. And also because of insurance rules and things like that, some stuff that's sort of shifted, for example... Say from a prop standpoint, skateboard would technically be a prop, but because of insurance and liability today, they typically don't like us to just hand a skateboard to some random BG and be like, can you skateboard? Sort of. Sounds great. That's how it used to go. Now it's like, hey, casting, can you guys help us out? And it's like, sure. Here's two skateboarders that skateboard daily. And then they bring their own board that they're used to and comfortable with. And it's a huge help to us. Um, but also it makes more sense at the end of the day. Yeah. Where, and it's, I mean, it's just safer, like, but that's, I mean, you go back 10, 15 years ago and it was definitely like, can you ride a bike? I mean, I have ridden a bike, sounds great, here you go. Um, Also, I don't know how well that bike works. I haven't oiled it in probably five years.
1: (laughs) The brakes might not be there, but eh, it's
0: fine. Brakes sort of work, uh, just don't be on a hill. But uh yeah i mean like it's definitely a newer wave you know of what's happening but uh, it's a very welcomed change i think on, on our end on a set end um but what i want to kind of sort of gear us to uh, start wrapping up but we got to get back to the bat shit so <laughs> let's talk bat shit so what would be some good examples of of some of the crazy that comes through where you have to smile and nod and then as soon as they're out the door you go like well that's uh, let's lock that door um, for starter <laughs> and then follow up to that you you going back to like what you were talking about with the cops you have certain people that you that you call yeah from time of, are any of those you know you know regulars in the batshit group? Oh,
1: <laughs> uh, yes, I can answer
2: from yeah. a costume
1: perspective. I can say yes Absolutely, yes. I know the
2: answer is yes. 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 Well, and, and again, so we're leading the witness. We're, we're also we we don't really do BG work anymore. Uh, I know oh, okay. Kulon Casting did a lot of that earlier on, and uh, they partner with a company, My Casting File, and a lot of times, oh, a lot of times down here, if uh, a company is doing the principal casting a different company is going to do the background. So a lot of times we may be working on the principal casting of something that Caballero is doing the background casting on. Right. Um, okay. in my experience so far, uh, I have not actually worked on any of the, like, let's gather all the background for something and also doing the principal casting on something we've moved more and more to like speaking principal roles only. Gotcha. Um, but so <laughs> since these are actors that we trust to like, talk to <laughs> the director and the producers much. and the starring actors and stuff. They're typically not the bad shit people. Right, they're, they're people are like, Oh, this is their They have some experience. They legit can do this. But you know, we definitely have those things every now and then where we're like, we're going to send this guy to set. Everyone cross your <laughs> fingers. <laughs> How it goes. He just has to say, here's your coffee, sir. <laughs> that's all he's got to do is just say, here's your coffee. He's great. And it's At one job. Well, and there's, there's people like that, where you're like, I, I, we would never, ever, ever send someone to set that we did not trust to do the work. Mm. But you know, you're on set. Sets are full of wildly different personalities working in different aspects of the thing, and you know, especially if it's a greener actor. This is their first time on set. We're like, hey, you know, just act like you belong you know, just fake it till you make it type of idea because it can go in there kind of bubbly and not know and touch a thing that you're not supposed to you know, like run around, like not fill out paperwork and not be where the, you know, the first uh, who's in charge of you can find you and stuff like all of those types of things can happen. Uh, we've gotten a, you know, a handful of calls of like, Hey, so-and-so's here. They're high in their trailer. If uh, if you could tell them to not do that, that'd be great. <laughs> Which we're, I think we're kind of like, I don't know, that feels like an agent call. I don't think that casting should be <laughs> responsible for that. Yeah, that surprises that. me that it
1: would um, be um, casting. It, I'll so be also or, hey, <laughs> next time, maybe not hire the person who's high in the yeah, trailer.
2: But we're the ones that ultimately did the contract and hired yeah, them. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So it's a little okay. bit like, so the, they're going to communicate to us of like, hey, just for future reference, uh, they did a great job. Uh, here's something they did, though. <laughs> and so we've, you know, we get a handful of reports on that kind of stuff, but. Uh, In my time, I can't think of anything truly egregious. We've had, you know, some people that because actors uh, at the end of the day are literally trained to access emotions and to use the creative side of their imagination and to inhabit other people's experiences. It can be a little harrowing at times, depending upon what you're casting and how deep the material is. So, we've seen some people go too far. Uh, uh, We've seen some people who hadn't worked in a while who are desperate, kind of gate crash auditions to be like, hey, I saw this breakdown for this thing and I'm perfect. And like, we didn't invite you for a reason yeah. and it's because you're not perfect for this. Like there's a reason you're
0: not in here. First of all, the role is a 20 year old uh, black female and you're a 40 year old
2: white male. So let's start there. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's (laughs) things like that. Uh, You know, there's, there's definitely stuff that comes up where we have to kind of go, Hey, we love your passion, but tone it down. (laughs) Um, You know, we've had
0: some, I'd like the diplomacy there.
1: I mean, Uh, yeah, you are very diplomatic. Right. I have to say, you are very, that. very diplomatic. Because I have, like, have to stand to, across like, the room somebody? from
2: these people again. I will see all of these people I know, <laughs> like
1: I know you just said you don't do background very often, but there have definitely been background uh, actors who have, as I've seen on set, that we have asked casting to be like, Please do not send us this person again or anywhere, please, ever.
0: Yeah. So I, I, mean, I can actually go uh, uh, not, not necessarily a step further, but uh, where it, you sort of tapped on a little bit, but someone seemed totally fine. Mm. They did everything that was asked of them, they seemed quite pleasant. And then again, from a prop standpoint, let's say uh, they were a receptionist, you mm. know, whatever. The scene is over. I'm going to collect stuff off the desk. And then I get the notepad that they were scribbling in. And it's dark. <laughs> and it's disturbing. I have, in fact, I should probably at some point make a coffee table book of what I have in notepads and things on paper in my prop kit now over the yes, years. Yes, please do that. Uh,
1: I will buy that book. Yeah.
2: <laughs> How some, props ruined me. Uh, yeah. ama-
0: some of it's amazing artwork. And you're like, wow, you're, you're kind of missing on your talents because uh, you were playing a you know a, a cop in, in a police station. That was not really you need to look at what you're doing there. But um, but other stuff you'll see where people are just in open thought writing and stuff. Mm. And you'll see where people- Here is have my written, stream
1: of consciousness, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Like I have probably a good handful of manifestos. Oh boy. I have uh, a probably um, uh, another handful of just very dark artwork. Mm. Um, <laughs> I've seen a lot of phallic related things um <laughs>
1: which begs the question did they want you to actually see that are these, these like, directed at you like yeah i, I mean know. are like why did they leave their manifesto on said reception desk? like,
0: like here, here's a, here's a perfect example uh we'll, we'll use cops so let's say uh menj and i are working um and uh uh he's setting the background and it's a crime scene and we have a background cop that's interviewing uh, a neighborhood witness maybe. So there's no dialogue talking, they're just in the background. I give that cop a, a cop notepad and a pen and as if he's taking notes while he's talking to the BG person. You're watching the take in the monitor, everything seems fine, everyone's doing everything asked, and you're like, All right, well that seems to have gone really well, it looks great. Chris is giving a thumbs up. He doesn't actually do that, but let's say he did. <laughs> and, um, and the scene is over, and now I'm de-propping, I'm taking stuff from that cop and I'm like, thanks. And I get that notepad and now I'm in the habit of going, what were you scribbling? Because I know now <laughs> that people put insane things in And them.
1: it can be gold.
0: And you might open it and you realize, you know, maybe it was just squiggly lines. That's probably the smart thing to do is to not actually take notes and just look like you're taking notes. But sometimes you'll open it up and it's like, whoa this guy was actually like writing a stream of thought, stream of consciousness while he's pretending to interview this witness. And instead he was writing paragraphs of very odd stuff. You're going to need to see those. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's. I don't know if I can post that or not. I don't know. We'll have to look in You into can that. post
1: it in my eyeballs. Huh? <laughs> 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 There's a closed chat
0: thread that that can end up in, I'm yeah. sure. Um, but definitely some disturbing stuff I, I have seen. and And of course, I have to keep it because now I'm like, um, let's say there's a spiral notebook that has several different BGs mm-hmm. stuff over the years and now it's accumulating. So now I just want to open up to a blank page in that specific one. Cause I'm like, I'm going to need you to
2: add to this one. <laughs> um, I need the next chapter. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Um, uh,
0: the other thing that's fun to do with background that when background is good, this is a fun thing to do with background is to talk with them about what is your side story what is your character's <laughs> backstory you know like i need to you know and so like again we'll keep going with the cop scenarios and maybe it's um you know maybe it's well, we'll for for the thing we'll just say it's a 40 something year old black woman
1: i'm twice to, oh yeah. but <laughs>
0: well but i was ready to go uh, ready. Well, well but i, I was I was, about to, I was about to say like like all right, you know, and I, I put the name tag on her and like, let's say it's, you know, I always try to find the silliest names for the person, you know, like, um, like oh, it's, uh, you know, McGinty or something like that. And it's like, all right, officer McGinty. And put it on her and I'm like, so how long you been on the force? You know, and like, uh, you know, start doing that kind of stuff. And then uh, you can have, enjoy your day, be playful with them, they're receptive and they're having a good time. And that's kind of ultimately what yeah. you want when they're not batshit. And um, and then the 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 finale fun of it is when you're depropping them and you go you're a loose cannon McGinty hand me your badge and gun <laughs> you know and, and then they're laughing and everyone had a good time and then that's a great experience for everybody yeah. that's that's what you want yeah um, but then there's other times where it's like. I can't wait to get this guy depropped because I need him out of my life. He wanted to tell me he used to be a cop. He's been coaching me the entire time, telling Mm. me like where a mic goes, which is no standard place for a mic. It's personal preference, by the way, for anyone listening. Um, Not all mics have to go on the right shoulder, you know, kind of bullshit, but- Starts giving you the backstory without- Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and that's the unwanted (laughs) one, you know, and again, going back to the bat shit. But but yeah, I mean, it's. background actors I, I know i have to like they we can't say we're not supposed to say extra i guess anymore. but um background actors come in such a variety of flavors and everything like that and it is that you don't know what you're going to get yeah. necessarily and and that um uh i would say and tell me if i'm wrong but i feel like we're seeing less of the crazy, maybe, than we used to. Like it's gotten a little bit more uniformed, and mm. maybe maybe that's because we're casting practical. People
1: I think you also. just have a year's distance from actually working on a movie also at this point that you've forgotten as, I'm not like on set other as much things. Mm. Yeah, there's
2: that too. Um, it uh, also depends on the conditions. Like we um, we cast Emancipation. Mm. Mm. That film went on for months yeah. grueling months in the hottest time in Louisiana, in the swamps, they're built civil
1: war era things
2: and starting in, it in July. Yeah.
1: In and, July. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: And they, they always want to do slave themed projects at the worst weather, right? Yeah. Um, like, and, and for anyone that's not familiar with Louisiana, our winters don't look a lot different on camera from our summers. So, uh, you don't have to hit August when you're no. doing that. um, but that's another conversation.
2: But that's one of the ones where like I, I heard enough stories and like they were having to bump up pay rates and do incentive things. And I think it was, you know, it was Apple. So I think they were doing like oh. raffles for like if you, uh, you know, if you're signed up to be a background and you show up every day that you're getting a ticket into a raffle to like win an iPad or something like they were because wow. it's a it's a miserable physical condition sometimes. Yeah, to think back- background
1: on. actors are not treated with the utmost respect by most people i mean i
0: mentioned uh, on another episode about underground uh because uh i've been fairly open that that's the worst thing i ever worked on and uh i don't have a problem saying that because it's true um but they treated the backgrounds like shit they treated the crew like shit they treated some of the principal actors like shit mm-hmm. And uh, it was a good lesson or many lessons in how you don't do a project. And um, one of the things that's that's pertinent to this conversation is a memo went out Hmm. that was clearly from the showrunner who was a novice and had no business being the showrunner, but she was also just a mean person. But uh, this memo went out to the entire crew that basically said, we're trying to set a tone and it's hard to set that tone when the crew is essentially enjoying their day, so if you could <laughs> be more miserable, be more it. miserable to help <laughs> set a miserable tone, that would be helpful. Thanks. And uh, I was the union steward on it uh, until I quit. But uh, uh, one of two shows I've quit. But um, uh, every day, without failing, at least one department, if not multiple, would come to me with various grievances, and I'd say. I agree with you, but it's not a union thing that you're talking about. It's Mm -hmm. more of an ethical thing that you're talking about. And I can't really do much about that. So I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn around to the production supervisor over here and I'm going to say the crew is angry and I don't think a snowball truck is going to fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. What you will with this information? Yeah, and I'll see you tomorrow when I tell you a new thing about someone being pissed off. And that was every day of that show. And um, it was—I mean, the background—I felt so bad. It's exactly what what you were describing. Everything. It's hot. It's miserable. Yeah. It's also the 19th century. Yeah. We're giving them archaic things to do. You know. So mm-hmm. um, here are shitty tools to do a shitty farming job yeah. that the these these producers and directors want you to actually do so it's like i'm gonna need you to actually pick cotton and it's like why this guy is like a solid hundred plus feet from camera he can mime it yeah why are you having you know and also it's just on so many levels wrong yeah and that's it's like a weird irony that you're doing a project that is supposed to be About these horrible things. And yet, ironically, you're treating these people in the same way. It's so hard to work on
1: those. I've kind of stopped working on those. I'm glad that they kind of phased out. Emancipation
0: Uh, was definitely behind the the popular. era of it because it was like a three-year period where it's like you just
2: show after show yeah. after show. yeah no I, I will say that on emancipation so the f- the physical aspects of it i think were grueling and i think that's why a lot of people were dropping out and they were having a hard time keeping background involved mm-hmm. but i do believe that that production actually was doing everything that they could as far as like They were taking well care of people. They were providing, I know on that project, they had counselors on set because of the nature of the material. And there were memos that went out and stuff of like, hey, this is going to be, this is going to be heavy. And that's how it should be. That's some
1: good accountability that isn't usually taken by production. Um, And
2: the couple of days that I did end up out on set, I mean, we're out in like a uh, plantation in the swamp kind of thing. And they have all of the servants out in their big wool gowns and stuff. And so like, if they weren't shooting, it was like, great, get in the tent. We've got the air with like, they're doing everything they could to make it as good as possible. It's just one of those things that like, it's just a grueling hard thing yeah. and background are paid so little mm-hmm. that a lot of times like, yeah, if you, if you went out there and you're having a miserable time. Yeah, you'd quit. So like yeah. the just kind of going back to like you trying to make it like a fun atmosphere and do things to go like, hey, you are important to this. You are still a human, right? You're not just uh, a breathing prop. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes a long way to keeping the quality people that are career background showing up and doing the work because they love being on set as opposed to having to deal with the bad shit people. (laughs) Yeah, and and
0: also uh, open note to ADs on those kinds of projects. There's a lot of phrasing that could be worked on as well, uh, such as um, uh, Jed's your chain gang guy. Like, do we have to say it that way? Do you have to, you know, it's like, yeah. yes, I understand. You want to take some background extras and you want to, you want to have them uh, locked together, you know, here. It's like, there's so many ways you can say it. Yeah, And, and also don't call me out. Like, that's my expertise. Like, that's weird. <laughs> right. You know, like, like, Oh, like we actually brought Jed on this show because he is your chain gang guy. You know, like, no, that's that
2: please. That's on. He's traveled around doing yeah. nothing, but ch- yeah. any chain gang you've seen in a movie. That's yeah. his yeah. 19th century. Really <laughs> yeah.
1: Especially working with the apparatus of the, <laughs> I mean, I, I did uh, just some day playing on Twelve Years a Slave, and it was when they were coming off the ships, which and having to hand people the thing. I, I like I could not put the things on them. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm handing this to you because I can't physically, like, morally and physically, like, put that this was piece of equipment onto you, and I'm so sorry that this is like it was awful.
0: It yeah, was really awful. I will say, Twelve Years was. A wonderful experience, it was very hard work, but it was a wonderful experience. And it's an interesting dichotomy, if I say 12 years versus underground, because it was a night and day difference and it really boiled down to treatment. Mm. And um, uh, Steve McQueen, uh, not the actor, the director, British Steve McQueen, uh, cool, cool guy. He was very cognizant of the, the weight of the story, of the background of the crew, and they made a conscious effort, to
1: and where they're thinking. filming it as well. And we were in you know? Vacherie, mean, Louisiana, yep. where right? We,
0: yeah. Um, if you're a if you love plantations, go to Vacherie. Uh, <laughs> but um, it it was really a, it was a night and day difference, uh, and it really boiled down to that treatment, you know, kind of thing. And and it was hard work because you're still out in the mm-hmm. elements. You're still, mm-hmm. you know, like. Um, uh, first day of shooting. Um, the production designer. There was a wagon that had um, sugar cane on it, and the production designer comes out and he says, um, "We need to stack this higher." So next thing you know, myself, two other prop people, the onset dresser, we're getting a crash course in cutting sugar cane with the proper knives and everything. So it's like four of us, you know, going at it to like stack this thing higher. The sky opens up rain starts dumping Mm. we're now sinking down into the mud Mm -hmm. and i was i lost a shoe that day um and (laughs) never to be seen you never to be seen (laughs) again don't worry that thing is deep um but uh uh that's just an example of how it was grueling difficult work but at the same time there was just something about it and also the story was such a compelling story that you you wanted it to succeed you know so there was kind of that element so it was weird because it's like you didn't mind the difficulty i did mind losing the shoe but i you know other than that it was like uh, yeah we'll do this because we we want this to work you know and underground by comparison not only was it the treatment but also it was a sensationalized story Mm. where i was cracking jokes midway through because the sensationalism was so out of control that i was like i bet you the season finale is that they're gonna knock on a door and it's gonna open and it's gonna be harriet tubman and she's got a a, uh out of era pump action shotgun that she won arms like Linda Hamilton and she's like, let's ride. (laughs) That's the level of sensationalism. It was, it was just silly. Um, But uh, and so that's another thing is that, you know, that kind of story being so far fetched, unrealistic and all this again, it takes you out. So it's like the mistreatment combined with the shitty story takes you out. So that's the only thing that, that was different, but going back to the background thing on 12 years, um, I am having to shackle these guys together. And I, it was my first time doing it. And so I'm going, I'm really sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm really sorry. And the guy said, I'm getting paid. And I go, that's a fair point. <laughs> like, <laughs> click, click. <laughs> Thank you for saying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cool. I just want to be clear. I don't like this, you know, kind of to Heather Ray's point. Um, but I mean, it, it is definitely such a sensitive subject you know to deal with and well
1: and it's emotionally draining not only for yes. the actors but the crew and you know all of it I mean very it's much very emotionally draining which people don't take into consideration a lot of the time you know I yeah. mean it's good that on 12 years as you said that they had that kind of accountability and you know yeah I they had an understanding <laughs> and sensitivity to deal with that kind of subject matter in a way that isn't um completely uh, you know <laughs> making it more tragic than it already is you know in a modern day sense so like yeah yeah
0: Let's, I mean, let's get more onset counselors. Yeah. yeah.
1: I
2: mean, oh yeah. Real. That
1: is brilliant. And I don't that think is that
2: that needs to be limited to, uh, you know, to, to no, types period of shows, pieces right. of trauma, like no, a, definitely. anything that's yeah. going to deal with sensitive mm-hmm. material. You need to be able to talk to people about it because you've got a crew of a hundred people. You could be doing a, a cop drama since yeah. we keep going on cops, but mm-hmm. there could be a rape scene. Mm-hmm. And that can affect people and that can trigger people that have had experiences and been sexually assaulted. And, you know, you can get into whether or not it's a scene that has to be filmed to begin with, mm-hmm. depending upon the story. But that day of work is still an intense day of work for the actors, the directors, the producers, the person that wrote yeah. it had to figure out. And then you've got now we've got new things like intimacy coordinators and stuff that are involved in all that to try and keep things um realistic to a story without going gratuitous for, you know, yeah. like it's a 1970s movie and we can do whatever we want, mm-hmm. but there should be the opportunity to be able to talk to people or to be able to say like, Hey, I know you hired me for the run of the show. Uh, when we do that day, I need you to sub me. Mm-hmm. I can't be there that day. Yeah. And I think that that's something that people would be a are afraid to do. You can correct me if I'm wrong. You guys are more on the crew no. Side. I think that no, that's sure. uh, that's yeah. true.
1: I yeah. mean, you know, there's it's a it's a lot of suck it up mentality for sure. And I think that to have,
2: I
0: mean, you know, kudos that kind to Apple because onset. honestly, I have yet to work on an Apple project, but I had not heard great things about some Apple projects that have happened here. So that's actually very refreshing just to
2: hear that they had the mindset to do that. And I I'd, I'd, and the raffling. I'd be curious. <laughs> and, <the raffling. laughs> and I, you know, I, I can't speak to whether or not that was Apple or if that was Antoine Fuqua, if that oh. was the producers. I don't, mm. I, I'm i not necessarily sure like where that came from, but someone was if, like, hey, hey. Emancipation? We. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. he's
0: cool as shit. Uh, okay. I did a Olympus is Fallen, which was a dumbass movie but, uh, <laughs> because it was millennium and they're <laughs> awful and tax evading in Europe now, but um, that's a whole other tea spilling thing, but um, uh, but Antoine was cool as shit. That dude is the real deal. Um, I didn't know what to make him because I only knew training day at mm. the time, but uh, I left that project going, well, if there's a positive I'm taking away from it, it is that guy, that guy was on his shit. It was the producers that sucked. Um, but I didn't know he did Emancipation, so yeah. now I'm more interested to see it. <laughs> I was like, "Well, Will Smith's leaving. all right." Well. Um, but uh, uh, no, that does that is a game changer because um, also uh, uh, he did Mag Seven uh, was another thing. He's he's done a few things here now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, uh, well, let's wind up because we can talk forever. Um, we're our our episodes that we're recording today. I think. I, I now have to consider that we're bringing on too many fascinating people in one day. So it's uh, making it hard to figure out when to close these because um, we <laughs> want to have like three hour interviews. Um, but uh, um want to thank you adam for coming on before we get out of here though uh the question that uh, we like to ask everyone now um is uh any advice that you'd like to impart um and i guess for you it would be if you want it to be casting specific actor advice uh, uh, life advice um yeah well uh tips on raffling iPads. <laughs>
2: You got to use those big spools of the blue <laughs> raffle tickets that give you the two. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Specifically um, <laughs> blue. Uh, yeah, no, If for the casting side, it's easy. If you've never done any of this stuff and you're like, I, you know, I want to get on a set. I want to see what this is that they're talking about on these shows because you've had these episodes and people talk about different departments and it's different when you get on set and see it happening. So if you want to be an extra, you want to be a background actor and you want to just see what it's like to be on a big set that's operating, uh, mycastingfile.com is the like, central way down here that I believe Caballero and Kulan and a lot of, uh, the local casting directors find background actors. Uh, if you're trying to pursue it professionally, you know, it's always that sort of catch 22 of like, we're more likely to see you when you have an agent, but how do you get an agent and just, just train, just get in classes locally, train, get experience, meet other actors, find out from their experience, get their recommendations of who's a good rep for them. And, And where their journey has taken them. And a lot of times that will kind of open up doors. It's, it's the way it worked for me as an actor is just finding people saying, Hey, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Can you help me? And, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, all ships rise with the tide. And so we got to go out there and just kind of help each other because it is at the end of the day, yes, there's a commerce side to filmmaking. Yes, it is Hollywood but it's also an art form. It's very creative. It's very hard on your sleeve, even in your departments, not just the performing department or writing department. So I think you got to just really, really go out there and be willing to say like, Hey, if this is what I want to do, who can help me get there? And the good people in our industry are going to be like, I can absolutely connect you with someone. I can absolutely find the avenue for you. And so I think that's a big part of it. And then since we've touched on it, I'm also a big Advocate of just healthy mental practices. There's uh, websites like nostigmas.org, which is an organization specifically designed about spreading awareness and the willingness to talk about mental health issues. Uh, They can connect you to resources. Uh, Most people don't realize that if you have a health insurance plan, you probably have a pretty low copay to go see a therapist, and you can look into that. A lot of people view therapy as not easily accessible because of cost, but if you've got a good health care, it's probably twenty five or fifty dollars just to meet with someone. And if you don't have health care or if it's not covered, there's all kinds of websites popping up. Like um, Better Health mm. uh, is an app and a website that connects people to cost based, I think therapy. I'm saying cost based. I'm not exactly sure, but I think there is a sliding scale to it of like. They love advertising on podcasts. They do. They do. So if you want to advertise like- We, <laughs> we love Better Health, by the way. Um,
0: <laughs> but better Better Health. Yeah. Oh, better Health. Yeah, Better Health. Oh, well, uh, we love them too. And uh, we all use them. And uh, yeah, um, if they want to sponsor. Yeah,
2: <laughs> But I, I think to pursue this industry, it is a very up and down industry. There's strikes, there's weather, there's just patterns to it. It's a gig economy. You could work for three months and then not work for nine it's you could work those days and be working 16 hour days like it can be all over the place so i think it's if you want to pursue working in this industry you have to have a solid foundation for how are you going to take care of yourself mentally and physically in order to pursue a kind of grueling job life yeah that's that i I, yeah that's fantastic
0: um I think that's something that we would all agree with, too, is that like a strong constitution, I think, is necessary to oh, yeah. survive. It's not this for the weak, this yeah.
1: this industry.
0: For sure. Um, uh, and that's wonderful advice. Um, Adam, we want to thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Um, and uh, uh, we would love uh, to have you on, because uh, we need to talk SAG. Hmm. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll do that soon. <laughs> um
2: be happy to yeah
0: cool well thank you so much for coming in and uh hope to see you soon hope to see you on set
2: thank you thanks adam
0: all right we want to thank adam again for stopping by and educating us on a little behind the scenes in the casting world um and uh, I, I think this is a good moment uh, for us to uh, kind of reiterate uh, something from the past, because I know a lot of people are, they, they want us to spill the tea. They want to know the actor dirt. And Adam is a very good example of how pleasant most actors are in reality. And there's not really dirt to spill, because I think, I think if I was to spill anything, it's mostly crew stuff it's not the actors it's it's the producer or the director or the or you know but um I think Adam is a is a good example uh to see like this is typically say Justin Heather Ray myself you know people that are around the actors the bulk majority is pleasant like like Adam
1: yeah yeah I've been pretty lucky in that respect I mean I've heard some nightmare stories about certain people and experienced one or two myself but by and large i mean
0: and and culture changes too i think have kind of slowly been uh, changing for the good i, I would say uh, there's whether it's department heads or actors or directors all of the older ilk oftentimes not always of course because there's a lot of lovely people in that group but uh more often than, than modern today world you would run into a lot of gruff big personalities a lot of asshole personalities a lot of um i mean i i have ptsd uh i uh, there used to be a, a a truck position uh in props that has uh, been omitted um because well heather ray knows
1: you don't need that many people in the props department yeah no.
0: <laughs> What do we even do? I don't even know. We just go around fist bumping. That's why we're called the prop department. Um, But uh, uh, I have multiple occasions in my uh, younger career of prop masters getting angry because something wasn't where it was supposed to be, trashing the trailer, pulling bins out, dumping bins, and then walking away, leaving me to clean it up. And I mean, I grew up in a pretty... Um, healthy family, <laughs> so I was not used to maybe um, that kind of treatment. And, uh, you know, we we talk about humbling, and I don't know if I'd classify that as humbling as much as it is... Abuse. Abuse. <laughs> it's just abuse. And uh, and maybe it's it's been dying off, it, at least it feels like it has, uh, those kind of behaviors, a, a lot of tantrum behavior in the older group. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a yeah uh, old Hollywood thing. For yeah, sure. definitely, and it was bad breeding bad too. Uh, like uh, you know, ads are a good example. Like a lot of older gruff ads that they were abused by their pre- predecessors that taught them to be gruff, hated you know, full of hate.
1: <laughs> well, I'll say as far as actors are concerned, I, I what I find is that the A list actors are always lovely, lovely, lovely. You know, 999 per, 9, 9 percent of the time, there yeah. are amazing. Um, it's like the B and C list actors who seem to TV
0: more more than yeah
1: and TV, TV. Yeah. yeah. Who I don't know if it's because they feel like they should be further along in their career and are resentful,
0: or if I would even say to, to be know. to be specific, it's almost never the main actors never. of the TV series. It's the side players. Yeah, yeah. And not always, cause there's plenty of, oh, novelty, yeah. uh, you know, to be clear, but. Like I
1: said, there have been, I've had very few instances with any actors, like, whatever level they're at or whatever. I'll say the show, but,
0: but I'll keep the specific people nameless. They did the pilot of the Navy SEAL series here. And it was such a horrible experience. I was so grateful that they went to LA because um, IOTC 44 is a very powerful, uh union uh branch of, of our iotsi world and um you know it's, it's like the la union and um they have so much more clout and and the disrespect that we were getting in that treatment would not happen with 44 and so i was so happy that they were leaving because it was like yeah go try all that with 44 um, look <laughs> around and find
1: out there yeah, we yeah, go walk
0: around and find out we got a graph you can look at um, but um <laughs> venn diagram but uh Uh, on that show Jim Caviezel was the original main actor cast uh, but he had to leave to go save a lot of uh, children's lives Um, uh, and then later uh, he got hired to do a series about all the lives he was saving that's not true anyway um, uh, but he was replaced by David Boreanaz and i had never worked with him I had uh, heard some some uh, worrisome things that apparently were from his days on Angel but once I met him, I don't know if any of that stuff on Angel is true. All I can say, lovely man, he was he was as good as you could ask for, and he was professional. He was very aware. He was uh, method with certain things, and he was charismatic. and And he was fine. And I'll also say that there's a CBS actress named Tony Truck. Shout out to Tony, lovely, lovely woman. Um, And with these uh, network shows, sometimes these networks have like a stable of actors that kind of keep showing up on all of their stuff, but they're like Heather Ray was saying, the B and C group. Some of these other people on the (laughs) series were not as cool. And um, I'll say there's a gun called a saw. It's a very large, very heavy gun. And it was dropped on my foot and uh, uh, I got lucky, I didn't break my toe, I fractured my toe. Oof. Um, and uh, the guy that handed it off without looking at me, uh, just let go of it before I was ready to receive it. And when I winced in audible pain, he just turned around and goes, oh, sorry. And that was kinda, I would use that as an example of how the whole time went Oof. with those people. And. Um, these are supposed to be guys playing tough guys and they were the neediest babies.
1: Yeah. That's it, how usually that tracks. You yeah, know, yeah. Yeah.
0: I need a toothpick or maybe a match. Do you want a match? Cause Cobra had a match. I don't think you want to be like Cobra. All right, fine. Toothpick. You're like, okay, well that's really inventive. No one's ever done that before, but yeah, here's your toothpick.
1: Would you like a minty? You are toothpick? brilliant, sir.
0: Yeah. Would you like the tea tree oil version or would you like the, yeah, whatever. Uh, so yeah. Um, uh, in general, people are uh, – actors are, are very nice, very lovely, but there are those those few that you are very happy to hopefully never see again when the project's over. Um, and usually uh, – I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but usually those people – it's just – it's a disrespect usually.
1: Oh, yeah. It's usually just – I've had a, an actor like literally throw a dirty shirt in my face before. Ooh. So like – that guy can go fuck himself. (laughs) And you know who And I've worked with him since as well. And he said, oh, weren't you on? I was like, I said, the the movie that I was on, I was like, yep, that one. He was like, oh, and I'm like, and then he was working with an actor who was far more well-known and he was not pulling any of that shit,
0: you know? So it
1: just depends who it is.
0: And, you know, yeah. and, and, and another example, going way back to Runaway Jury, massive cast. I mean, uh, uh, Nora Dunn had like two speaking lines in it. I mean, this is an SNL cast member. I was probably the only one geeking out that I saw Nora Dunn, but um, Jennifer Beals, Flash Dance, mm-hmm. was a juror and barely had any lines. I mean, but that's, that's the depth of the talent pool that was on that movie. And generally, everyone but Cusack, lovely. And Cusack is probably everything you've ever read in a Reddit thread. That's
1: that's that's what I've heard. <laughs> I've never I, worked with him myself. I've
0: worked with him a few times, and I'll just leave it at whatever you go seeing the Reddit. He's thread. He's in the point one percent. Yes, got it. Um, uh, maybe it's a child actor thing. I don't. It's
1: know. a shame because, like you know, growing like, up in the eighties, my God, I mean,
0: oh, and and that's probably a good thing to close on is. A very important thing that we have to learn to survive in this industry is separating the person from the job. Oh God, yeah. So, using Cusack as an example, I love his old movies and stuff. Like, I will not stop liking. Nope. You know, Better Off Dead is going to stay legendary in my brain forever. However, I, as it should, I had to learn to separate the person mm-hmm, from the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, It happens. So, uh, And
1: saying that also, though, uh, I have watched, I've worked with people and then watched things that I didn't particularly care for before. And then I watched them after working with somebody who's lovely. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe I didn't get that movie. So I guess it goes both ways.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, Rachel Weisz, uh, to this day, possibly the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in person. Um, you Gorgeous. Know, uh, a lot of people can look different in person from how they look on the mm-hmm, screen. Mm-hmm. She's the only one I can say that was prettier in person. Mm. Uh, I mean... If you think to Wayne's World when Garth gets uh, hit by the gaze and the chair slides back and hits the jukebox, yeah, Foxy Lady, (laughs) that's what it felt like. And and also uh, to Rachel Weisz, if you know things don't work out, Daniel Craig, let me know. Um, But uh, no, she she was so pleasant and she was making like idle chit chat in between takes. I was cueing her from from off camera to when to walk. You know. but in between takes, she's like, are you local to here? And at the time I wasn't like, cause this is my first big show. I'd never done anything before that, that was of that scale. And I was not ready for that. And I was so starstruck and I gushed and blah and turned into just jelly. And she was saying like, you know, um, like I, you know, it's really lovely here. Like I, you know, I've been, you know, I was able to get up to, and she's just again idle chit chat. I'm going, yeah, yeah, the zoo's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Marley, <I> like <laughs> Bob Marley. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, but again, lovely people. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, an R.I.P. Uh, oh God, I'm gonna at his name. Dunn, last name Dunn. Uh, he was the detective in uh, Sister Act. Um. Uh, he he died a, a few years back, but he was one of the jurors. Absolutely lovely man, a longtime character actor. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, like Dustin Hoffman, Gene Hackman. I mean, and, and I think this is kind of the thing to close on uh, in regards to actors. It, isn't it such a relief when people you idolize are nice? Oh,
1: my God. Seriously. I mean, there have been actors that I've been primed to work with. And I'm like, please don't let them be an asshole. Please yeah. don't let them be an asshole. Yeah, you know? don't,
0: please don't ruin my childhood. Yes, you know, like, please
1: don't disappoint me. And yeah. it's very rare that that has happened.
0: Yeah, it's most of the time that's the case. It's
1: yeah, most like, of the they time agree. they exceed your expectations, yeah. for sure.
0: Or they're upset at the right person, which is like a producer or a director mm-hmm. or something like that. They're not taking it out on you who can right. do anything. Right. So I have seen that plenty of times. Mm-hmm. and and. Uh, I won't say which show, but a show with Gary Oldman, who was nothing but awesome. And uh, he was, he again, exceeded expectations, but he had a lot of difficulty on that project with the producers and and it ultimately led to a meltdown and the meltdown very much resembled uh, his, the professional, um, you know, everyone, everyone, you know, it was that level of, um, and you see stuff like that. Uh, on it's not often, on rare occasion, when something like that happens, but you are certainly going. Thank God that's not at me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, because another thing about actors, they sort of have powerful voices. <laughs> they kind of tend to. Anyway, um, uh, la- a programming note. I guess I should end on um. Uh, Adam is actually going to come back and talk to us about the SAG strikes that we want to get out to y'all to kind of update our strike coverage. And um, we want to be able to introduce Adam to you uh, before that. So we're going to do our first uh, double release um, where uh, Wednesday we'll have this out and then Friday we'll have the SAG episode out. So you're going to get a double dose of Adam uh uh, this coming week and uh hope you're all looking forward to it um anything i'm missing i don't think so i don't think so i mean other than the lion that's outside oh my god zoe do the thing since you're here
3: (laughs) (laughs) one two better not suit we want to hear from you the audience do you have a behind the scenes story Maybe you work in the industry, or maybe you had a run in with reduction. You know, you live in New Orleans, New York, whatever, and some PA stopped you on the way to work and it was annoying. We want to hear about it. We want to hear about all of it. We love all the stories. Write us, and maybe we'll read it on the show. Or maybe you just want to tell us that you love us or you really hate us and you want to fact check us because we're wrong about a lot of things. You control us, whatever you want to do. You might even want to guess where Joe or Chris are on any given day of the week. Uh, You can do that by emailing us at filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com. It's filmfolklorepodcast at gmail.com. We do indeed want to hear from you. You can also find us on the social media. Instagram is Film Folklore Podcast. Facebook group is Film Folklore. Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at The Film Folk. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. We really want to hear from you. It's very important to us. Again, we work in the entertainment business, so we need a lot of validation. We're very pathetic, sad people, and we, just, we really want to be reviewed. We want to know your honest opinion. And it means a lot to us because you guys mean a lot to us. And for any of you that really like us and have some change-burning holes in your pockets and, you know, just any money at all, like a credit card, we set up a donation with PayPal and Patreon. Links are in the show notes of this episode and our website. Money helps us do more fun things and we want to entertain you. Money helps you do more fun things, which helps us do more fun things, which is also helping you have fun and it would be really nice. And we love you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs)